0: Well, on Sunday nights, we have been in the book of Judges, but tonight I'm going a different direction this evening. Um, That's why, you know, it's so important for us to just be sensitive to the Lord and not get our own agenda on what we want to do and uh, all this. But I believe with Thanksgiving coming up, I'm not one that usually likes to just do themes when themes come. I know what we ought to focus on our thanksgiving and be grateful for those things and uh, but I'm not one that always has to preach a thanksgiving message or has to preach a mother's day message or has to preach a father's day message when it's those those holidays that come but we have to be sensitive to the holy spirit and do what he tells us to do and uh, we'll be in first thessalonians chapter number five tonight first thessalonians chapter number five um, we are going to talk about thanksgiving tonight now we're going to speak about thanksgiving and so what we should be thankful for Uh, but I would invite you to stand with me out of respect for the word of God if you would please as we read several verses of scripture tonight starting in verse number 15 of first Thessalonians 5 See that no see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I'm going to preach tonight on what we should be thankful for this Thanksgiving, what we should be thankful for, this thanksgiving let's pray lord we love you thank you so much for the day that you've given to us thank you for the time to be here tonight lord as we preached uh this morning on in those days how they believed in preaching lord i pray that you'll help us never to turn away from the preaching of the word of god lord how they believed in repentance lord and i they believed in baptism and they you know they believed in straight living and confessing of their sins and uh, lord as we come to you tonight well, we think of that verse that says to preach the word and be instant in season and out of season to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And uh, Lord, I want to try to be an encouragement to folks tonight. I want to try to just uh, look at some things that we ought to be thankful for. Lord, things that we don't take in our eyes sometimes as something worthy of being thankful for, but you tell us in this passage of Scripture to be thankful in all things. And Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for all the many blessings that you've given us. Lord, I pray that if there's any here tonight that do not know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you tonight. And we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I was going through the book of Judges this week and I was looking forward to preaching through Judges uh, tonight. And uh, God just kind of kept bringing my heart as I was thinking of Thanksgiving this week, just bringing my mind back to... Uh, some things that I'm thankful for, and I got to thinking about my family, the family God's blessed me with, and the wife and children that I have, and all of that, and just how wonderful God's been. And uh, I got to thank Him for my salvation, and thank Him for all those things this week. And I was a little overwhelmed sitting in my office at the goodness of God. And I just began to think about how God uses us in, in spite of ourselves, and when we're wanting to be used, and just how grateful. Um, and We had some people give testimonies this morning in the Sunday school hour of, Uh, just God's goodness to us and listen he's a good God and if we took the time and we just said hey how good God has been we'd be here all night we'd be here till tomorrow and then the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day on how good God has been and oftentimes we forget about the little things that we see as little things but aren't really little things Um, they're things that are that we ought to be grateful for and I uh, was thinking even this morning as I woke up and Uh, came outside in that cool fresh air that I came outside and I breathed then I began to think about Lord just thank you for life you know thank you for the breath that I have and those little things that we take for granted oftentimes and I walked outside and I could see uh, just the beauty that God has around and I got to look at the tree lines and got to look at some birds flying and got to looking at some things this morning on my walk over here from the house and I just began to thank the Lord for just the beauty that he's made and all the good things that we get to experience and that I had vision to see and uh, that I could hear the birds and I could see the geese flying over and hear them as they were coming over. And you know what you say, well, that's just preacher, that's kind of weird. That's kind of petty. No, I was just grateful for what God has done and what God has given me. And I began to think, hey, I have the ability to walk over here this morning and I have the ability. I got out of bed today and uh, I didn't have to tell my, my eyes to see. I didn't have to tell my ears to hear. I didn't have to do any of those things. God just commanded it and it happened. And so I just began to start trying to focus in on some of those things that we, we take so much for granted oftentimes. And I know sometimes we have aches and pains and different things like that, but we ought to thank God for another day to serve Him. Thank God for another day to, to try to reach somebody else with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, every day above ground is a good day. Why? Because it's a day to serve the Lord. It's a day that we have to lift high the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we ought to be excited about that. And I was just thinking about just a lot of the things that I wanted to be thankful for. And we have a tradition at our house, usually on Thanksgiving, uh, when we go around before we eat and all those things, we go around and people tell what they're thankful for, uh, for that year. And Uh, We never want to forget the goodness of God to us, and uh, I was thinking about, you know, this afternoon, Brother Nathan brought some Alaskan salmon with him, and we had that this afternoon uh, for lunch, and I began to think, thank the Lord for somebody who knows how to fish, praise God, okay, and uh, so we got that salmon, and he cooked it for us and all that stuff, and so what a blessing that was, and just as we were sitting there eating, I was just thinking about, I had my family around the table, and uh, Nathan there with us, and we were enjoying a meal together, and I just began to think about how good God is is that we had what we needed to eat that day and we had a family to eat with and all those things and you know there's a lot of things that we take so much for granted that we ought to just praise the lord about and uh we can oftentimes get guilty of looking at the negative things in our life and begin to point our finger at the negativity and ask god why is all these circumstances happen but if we look at it at god's grace and god's mercy and god's goodness to us uh, the goodness of god It far outweighs the bad times, and I want to talk about uh, what we ought to be thankful for this Thanksgiving, and I was going through, and this verse, just when I think about Thanksgiving and I think about thanking God for things, and what am I to be thankful for? This verse kind of really encapsulates all of it. It, it. It encompasses everything that we're supposed to do, and it says, in everything, give thanks. Well, that's just a broad scheme of things there when we say in everything. Well, what are you talking about everything give thanks? Well, it speaks for itself. It means everything give thanks. Uh, So I'm going to talk about uh, five things tonight that I believe we ought to be thankful for. There's many that we could talk about this evening. I've already shared some of those things with us. But there's five, uh, five areas tonight that I want to thank God for. The first area that we want to thank God for. I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter number 33. Starting in verse number 1, Jeremiah 33, verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time, while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, to establish it. The Lord is his name. And look what verse 3 says. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And I began to think about, what am I to be thankful for? First thing God put on my heart is being thankful for prayer. Being thankful for prayer. Thankful for the opportunity that we have, the privilege of prayer. You understand prayer is a privilege. Um, It's an opportunity for you and I to talk to the creator of all the universe. It's the opportunity for you and I to uh, talk to the one that gave of his life willingly for you and I. Prayer is not something that is uh, supposed to be done in this um, just as a, um, as you would say, a rough thing for you and I to do or some kind of uh, difficult uh, aspect for you and I, because prayer was not designed to be difficult. Prayer was designed for you and I just to talk to the Lord. See, the problem that you and I have a lot of times when it comes to prayer is we don't know how to pray. And that's why we don't pray. But I remember how they said, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And I began to think, well, how do we learn how to pray? First off, you've got to recognize that prayer is a privilege. If you understand that we are privileged to talk to the King of kings and Lord of lords. See, God could have just saved us and said, listen, you guys are still sinners. Even though you're saved by grace, I don't want to hear what you have to say. You're just to listen to me. I don't want to hear anything from you. But that's not what he says. He says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. It's a privilege of prayer. I begin to think about how God is waiting for us to call on him. My mind went to Peter when he stepped out of the boat and was walking on water and uh, the storm was raging around him and his eyes were focused on Jesus. And as he was walking on that water, he was accomplishing something that no other human other than Jesus had done. And he's walking on top of the water and he wasn't walking on stones in the water, okay? He was walking on the water because his eyes were fixed on Jesus. Jesus is doing a miracle. He began to look at the storm raging around him. He began to sink and then he did something that Jeremiah 33 talks about. He called on the Lord. He began to sink and he said, Lord, save me. And immediately the Lord reached down and grabbed him. You know why? Because he's waiting for us to call on him. Prayer is a privilege. It's a privilege for us to talk to the Lord. Why is it that it seems so hard or uh, redundant for you and I to do? Why is it so difficult? Why do we have such a hard time to pray? I'll tell you why. Because prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer is a privilege for God's people to be able to talk to him. Prayer is something that we need to do. But I love not only the privilege of prayer, but the promise of prayer that he says, if we call unto me, I will answer thee. I will answer thee. And I love what he says there. Look at Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter number 7, if you would. This is more of a hope intended to be an encouraging message for you tonight. Just something to try to help lift you up and understand that we need to just enjoy some things and thank God for it. But Matthew chapter number 7, starting in verse number 7, says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be open. And I was looking at that, I began to think, man, what a promise God gives me about prayer. See, brother guy, I've realized that prayer is a privilege, but as I talk to the Lord, he gives me some promises. He says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Does that mean that if I want a new Lamborghini, all I got to do is ask God for it and he's going to give it to me. That's not what he's talking about. God just talking about, listen, there's things that we need to just keep going to God about. Ask, and it shall be given. Listen, when you begin to pray the will of God for your life, guess what? The will of God's going to be accomplished in your life. See, when we learn to follow after God, we're going to be able to pray the will of God for our life. God has a specific will for all of us. And He wants us to learn to pray. The privilege of prayer and the promise of prayer. He said, call unto me and I will answer thee. Listen, I'm glad that God doesn't just sit up there and plug his ears when we talk. But I do want you to understand that your actions can affect your prayers. He says, if we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. You say, well, is he, is he contradicting himself? Because he says, call unto me and I will answer thee. And he says, ask and it shall be given. Uh, seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. Listen, if you're asking, seeking and knocking, you're not going to have the iniquity inside of you if you're doing it the way God tells you to. If you're asking for God to help you and forgive you, if you're seeking after God, if you're knocking for him to open that door and, unto you, guess what? He's going to reveal to you some areas in your life you need to get cleaned up. But prayer is a privilege, and God gives us some promises about prayer. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, he says this, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked way. That has to do with that repentance we talked about this morning. He said, Then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Let me ask you a question. Was that a promise of God? That was God's promise. He said, if his people, guess what? That means us, the saved in this room tonight. If his people, which are called by my name, first off, will humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. And we'll pray. And we'll seek God's face. And we'll turn from our wicked way. Why will that heal our land? I'll tell you why. Because if each and every one of God's children will do that, revival will take place. If we'll turn from our wicked way, he said, then will He hear from heaven. And will forgive their sins and heal their land. The privilege of prayer. We ought to be thankful for prayer. Not look at it as, well, you mean I have to pray? The fact is we get to pray. We get to talk to God. Prayer is not something that we ought to begrudge. It's something we ought to behold. It's something we ought to cling to. It's something that we ought to treasure. Why? Because prayer is a privilege for us. And I begin to think about why is it so difficult uh, for us to pray, and even though it's a privilege and God gives us promise. Why is it so difficult? Because Satan knows there's power in prayer. And when we begin to pray, guess what happens? We get sleepy, don't we, sometimes? We start to pray or our mind gets distracted or uh, we we sit down. And we say, what am I supposed to say? I really don't know what I'm supposed to say. And uh, listen, you guys know I'm, I'm I'm somebody that's a people person. I'm outgoing. I like to talk to people. There's times, Brother Nick, I get to pray and sometimes I just, don't know what to say but there's power in prayer and sometimes we get distracted and we think what in the world am I going to do and uh what am I going to say to God and listen God knows your heart God knows the thoughts and intents of your heart when you go to God and you begin to talk to God you don't have to talk to him as if you're some uh theologian you talk to him as if he's that friend that sticketh closer than a brother That friend that uh, is by your side every step of the way. I want you to look at James chapter number 5. Starting in verse number 15, James 5, verse 15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have uh, committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, there's no limit to God's power. There's no limit to what prayer can do. I, be, I believe with all of my heart that God, who uh, is still the same today that he's always been, could still send fire down from heaven if he wanted to. The problem that I think is there is that when we pray, we really don't believe there's power in it. We don't believe that there's really any need for prayer because, honestly, I don't feel like God's going to do anything or we're too far gone, all this stuff. Listen, if you're not dead, God's not done with you, and there is power in prayer. Prayer can do a lot of things. I began to think about different people in my life that have had uh, tragedies come or, or things in their life where it looked like there was no hope. There was no way that they could ever uh, overcome this trial or battle that they're going through. And then uh, the mighty hand of God moves in and turns things around. And just how even the doctors look at it and think, man, there's no way this could have happened because guess what? There's power in prayer. You say, well... What are you talking about? I'm looking at a man right back there that there's power in prayer. You know, very tragic incident in Brother Scott's life recently, and people begin to pray and seek God's face, and things turned around, and uh, here he sits tonight. Why? Because there's power in prayer. I began to think about people in my life that I prayed for to be saved, and I just thought really honestly in and of myself, I, I just don't know if it's ever going to happen. But you keep praying and you keep praying and you keep praying and you see the power of God move in and that life gets turned around and God saves them and what a blessing it is to to see what God has done. Listen, prayer is something that we ought to be thankful for. Well, not to begrudge prayer in our life. When we think about, man, I gotta pray. I, I, how am I supposed to do this? What am I? Think about it. You get to talk to God, the one who saved you from. I mean. That in and of itself, we could call invitation time right now. All of us hit the altar and just say, listen, let's just pray. Why? Because there's power in prayer. Prayer is a privilege. And there's a promise that God gives us. If we'll humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, then we'll hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. There's power in prayer. There's a song that I heard, prayer's just as big as God is. Prayer is just as strong as God is strong. Prayer can reach as far as God can reach, so never give up, just pray. See, when you think all hope is gone, there's still prayer. When you think I can't do anything for God, my physical health won't allow me to, there's still prayer. It says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What should we be thankful for this Thanksgiving? First off, we ought to be thankful for prayer. Secondly, we ought to be thankful for God's pardon for God's pardon. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? First off, it's pardon from sin. I thought about the day that I got saved. Man, this week I was sitting in my office and I was just trying to think about the goodness of God and what came to my mind was my salvation. Deserving of hell. For eternity, I should be separated in a lake of fire. But God's love, look beyond my faults. Look beyond my sin-filled heart saw my need and drew me into himself and I by faith received the Lord Jesus Christ my Savior my sin at that point was covered by the blood of Christ and I, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus because of it and I began to think about what it really meant to be justified and sanctified and uh, all those things for the Lord and I began to think my goodness I'm washed by the blood of the Lamb And we started singing the song this morning, What Can Wash Away My Sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I began to think about that blood of Christ. And I began to think about the pardon that Christ gave to me and how I'm pardoned from sin because of what Jesus did. And I looked at 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I thought about God's pardon from sin. And I wanted to rejoice and just praise the Lord that I don't have to spend one second in hell. And it gave me something to rejoice about this Thanksgiving and lift up my my voice to God and say, God, thank you so much for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me, to be buried, to rise again from the grave so that I could have life and life everlasting. And I rejoice in the fact that there is a God that wants to pardon us from our sins. We ought to thank God for pardon. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation, our pardon from sin. What God's done for us. Carter, can I use you for a second here, buddy? You'll come up here for me. The Bible says in this passage of Scripture, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, if you look at verse 17 again, it said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. Sometimes we wonder what does it mean to be reconciled to God. And as I was thinking about this and what God's pardon from sin has done for me. This is how we were before salvation from God. God is here, God is holy, God is just, God is right and there we are full of sin. But then Jesus comes. And Jesus bridges the gap between sin and sanctification. When he's hanging on that old rugged tree and all of my sins are being placed upon himself, uh, what he's doing is he's making a way for me, who is lost, to get to him who is holy. And here's what he said. He has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. What he means is that he then can now embrace us. That's what it means to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. But he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That means we ought to desire to hug him back we ought to desire to be reconciled to him see that's the ministry of reconciliation you understand God loves us so much that even though we're in our sin even though we deserve hell even though we deserve all of that Jesus Christ came so that we could then embrace God as, as he embraces us thank you buddy and that ought to rejoice us you know what I, I get so weary when I think about We get tired of our salvation and we we lose the joy of our salvation. We ought never lose the joy of our salvation. We've been pardoned from sin. We've been pardoned from that separation from God. And we need to rejoice in the fact and thank God first off for prayer, but thank God for the pardon that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. Pardon from sin. But look at Galatians chapter number 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20, says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. It says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. You know what it's saying? Not only do we thank God for pardon from sin, we ought to thank God for our pardon from ourself. Listen, it's not about us. It's about the Lord. See, we are one of our biggest enemies. That person we stare at in the mirror in the morning, that's who we need to die daily to. So that we can live in Christ. We need to die to self so that we might live for the Lord. I began to think about in Scripture uh, David and how we talked about what David had done and all these things. Listen, David, the Bible said, was a man after God's own heart. David was one that feared God and eschewed evil and all these things. Why would David do what he did with Bathsheba and with Uriah and all of those things? I'll tell you why, because David was appealing to him, to his flesh. Had David been where David was supposed to be, a time when kings were supposed to go forth to battle, David wouldn't have been in that predicament, but David was trying to help himself. Maybe he was tired. Because the Bible says, you know, Saul killed his thousands, but David is 10,000. David wasn't afraid of battle. But David might have been tired. David might have been weary. We don't know why he stayed, but he did when he was supposed to be somewhere different. But through all of that, David wrestled with himself struggled with himself and because of that he got himself into some sin and we have to come to the realization we ought to thank God that we can have a way to die to self and live in Christ because without Christ it's impossible for us to die to self we have to have him in our life it said for I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what that means? As we live with this life in this flesh, we ought to live our life for God. Oh, to live our life for God. Thank God for prayer and thank God for pardon. I want you to look at Isaiah 26, if you would, please. Not only do we need to thank God for prayer and thank God for his pardon. But Isaiah 26 in verse number 3. "Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For the Lord Jehovah. Look what it said. Not was everlasting strength. Is everlasting strength. You know what we ought to thank God for? We ought to thank God for peace. Thank God for peace. The peace of God which passes all understanding and that keeps our hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. We ought to thank God for peace. Aren't you glad that when you live a life pleasing to God, you can live a life of peace? You can live a life of peace. He says, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee you know it's hard to have fear when you're trusting in the lord when your mind is stayed on christ it's hard to fear what's going to happen to you when your mind is stayed on him he said that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee that's why he tells us to not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of god why because if your mind is not focused on the things of god you live a life of chaos But if your mind is focused on the things of God, you have perfect peace. You have perfect peace. Thank God for peace. That perfect peace. Look at John 14, if you would, please. The Gospel of John, chapter number 14. It's a perfect peace. Look at verse 26 and 27 of John chapter number 14. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, from the Father will I send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace, see it's capitalized there, I leave you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be neither let it be afraid. Yet have ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye love me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. But he said this, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. That's God's promise. It's a promised peace. It's perfect peace, but it's a promised peace. Just as we have that promise of prayer uh, and what we do through that, how he's going to listen as we're praying to him, he promises us peace through him. I wonder sometimes why it seems like people that are saved by the grace of God, it just seems like you ever heard about maybe they've gone off and they've done things to themselves or they've just gotten so low that it seems like, and you think, man, how in the world? can they have such chaos in their life? Not that they're still trying to serve God and there's bad circumstances, but I mean, they're just totally turned away from Him. And I think, how in the world can their mind be be that way when they claim to be a child of God? How can it be? I'll tell you why. Because their mind isn't stayed on Him and they don't have perfect peace in their life. And when you don't have peace, it's the complete opposite of peace. Listen, we ought to thank God for peace. Look at Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4. We're talking about what should we be thankful for this Thanksgiving. Well, thank God for prayer. Thank God for his pardon. Thank God for his peace. That that perfect peace that he gives us. And look look at verse number 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing. You know what that means? Don't worry about things. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Man, what a peace we can have in Him. He says to be careful for nothing, don't worry about it. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. What ought to thank God for his peace. Listen, as we think about tonight what we should be thankful for, our text verse tells us to be thankful in everything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Everything we, we have. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So God's will for us is to be thankful in everything. Man, we can rejoice and shout the rooftop off to be thankful for prayer. We should be excited about it. We should understand that prayer is a privilege and what a joy it is and how there's power in prayer and God gives us promises that if we'll pray and do things the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much and we can rejoice in having prayer and we can be thankful for it. We can be thankful for the pardon of God, our pardon from sin, our pardon from ourself, all of those things. Man, we can rejoice in those. The peace that God gives, that perfect peace, how it's a promised peace and if we'll have our minds stayed on Him, He'll keep us in that peace and what a joy we can have for all of that, but those are things that we would rejoice in and say, man, those are easy to be thankful for, some of those things. But he said, be thankful in all things. Everything. Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Preacher, what's he mean in everything? He meant in every good thing. Rejoice in all the good things, right? Is that what he was talking about? If it's just a good thing, rejoice in it. But but all the bad things we don't have to be thankful for. Well to be thankful for the, the hard times. Look at Second Corinthians, if you would please. Second Corinthians chapter number twelve. The apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Look what he says, starting in verse number one. It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above fourteen years ago. Said so whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I should not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seemeth me to be, or he that heareth me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation There was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he saith unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness most gladly therefore will i rejoice in my infirmities or will i glory in my infirmities why that the power of christ may rest upon me therefore i take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches in necessities in persecutions in distresses for christ's sake for what i am weak then am i strong so what do we be what, what should we be thankful for what are we to be thankful for this Thanksgiving? Well, we ought to be thankful for prayer. We ought to be thankful for pardon. We ought to be thankful for peace. But we ought to be thankful for problems. You say, well, preacher, I, I was good with you and I was tracking with you till we got to this point. But now you're talking about problems and saying I ought to rejoice in the problems. I ought to rejoice in all of these things. He said, listen, most gladly will I glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of God may rest upon me. You know what he was saying is, listen, I asked God to get rid of my problem, but instead of getting rid of my problem, God gave me strength to carry on through the problem. And we can rejoice. Listen, if we never had the valleys, we wouldn't understand what the mountaintops were all about. If we didn't ever have to experience valleys, we would never be able to appreciate the mountaintops. And so we have to rejoice in the problems through the sicknesses that we have. You say, well, I just don't like being sick. Nobody likes to be sick. But you've got to understand, even when you're in a sick state in your life, God is with you. He promised never to leave you nor forsake you. And we can rejoice in the problems because we're not facing the problem by ourselves. We have a God that's facing it with us. He said, most gladly will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in, necess- in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Then am I strong. We ought to thank God for all the problems, for the infirmities that we have. Look at Psalm 119 if you would. Psalm 119 and verse number 67. Actually, jump up to verse 66. He says, Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. See what he said there? Before I was afflicted, I went astray. He said, but now have I kept thy word. Listen, God allows circumstances in our lives to help us to learn to trust in him. God allows problems in our life to teach us that we're weak and he is strong. To teach us that we can't do it all on our own. That we need God's help. And I began to ask myself, how could the Apostle Paul say, man, I glory in my infirmities? You know what? I boast about that. I rave. Hey, guess what? God gave me some problems. You think, man, this guy's lost his mind. He says, why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'm going to glory in it because I know that Christ is going to show up in the valley. And my mind went to Psalm 23 as I was thinking about that and I began to think about all those times in the valleys that we think about, man, here I am and I'm walking through this valley of the shadow of death. I said, I should fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. And how God promised to be with us all the time. Romans 8 28, and we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. How can our problems, how can our problems Work together for good. Because through our problems, when God reveals himself and his power, it teaches us to trust him more. It teaches us to trust him more. When Peter began to sink, he understood there was no place he could turn but God. There was no place he could go but to the Lord. And we have to come to those places we realize that problems are in our life. Not so God can punish you, but there are times in our life that God does because of decisions we make. But when you're doing right and you seem like, man, why are the problems coming? God wants you to glory in your infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon you. So we ought to thank God for problems. We ought to thank God for persecution. Thank God for persecution. When we read in 2 Corinthians there and he talked about our glory in my infirmities, he said in necessities and persecutions. Wait a second, you mean I ought to rejoice when I'm persecuted? Why should I rejoice when I'm being persecuted? You don't understand. What if people are lying about me, preacher, and they're they're calling me names and they're doing all these things. The Bible tells us to rejoice when people falsely accuse you and all of those things. When you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, that you ought to rejoice in it. Why? Because you're serving the Lord. And guess why? They're going to cause problems when you do that. Here's the reason for Persecution. Look at John chapter number 15. John chapter number 15. Verse 15 down through verse number 18. If the world hate you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. Here's the reason why we're persecuted for serving the Lord. Because the world hates God. Satan hates God. The world hates God. Let's not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. We look at it and say, well, hey, you know what? I'm, they must be afraid of me. No, they're not afraid of you. The world's afraid of God. Satan doesn't like God. And the fact of the matter is this, the reason for persecution is because when you're living for God, there's going to be opposition because the world hated God. It's what he tells them in John 15. He said, if the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. Don't take it personal. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about him. They hate God. They hate the things of God. Why? Because they're of their father, the devil and they're going to hate the things of God. That's the reason for it. The reason for it. Look at 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3 verse 10 But thou hast fully known my doctrine Manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What uh, What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The Apostle Paul was talking about the reality of persecution. He said, listen, you know that I was persecuted in Antioch, outside of Iconium, and Lystra, all those places. I was left for dead, stoned, left outside of Lystra for dead. All those things that you saw, he said, I endured them all, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. And he told him, he said, listen, anyone, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus, he didn't say might suffer persecution, he said shall suffer persecution. If you live for God, you're going to suffer persecution. It's just the reality of it. The fact of the matter is, you live for God, you're going to be persecuted for the Lord. Well, what's he do? He rejoices in it. Why? Because he said, the Lord delivered me through it all. The Lord was with him through it all. Look at Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. Look at verse number 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It said, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know what? The results of this persecution we get to suffer with him, he said, but the things we suffer through in this world can't even compare to what's in store for us, they don't compare. We can look at them through all of this and the things that we're enduring here. But there's something more that we ought to look forward to. And there's a heaven that that awaits us. And the worst thing somebody can do is what? Send us to heaven, isn't it? I mean, they threaten. Preacher, you keep preaching the gospel. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Don't threaten me with heaven. I'm going to be with my Savior. What a blessing. You know, but we get so worked up about persecution. But listen, if you're living godly, you're going to suffer persecution. If Faith Baptist Church holds truth to the word of God, we're going to suffer persecution. But we ought to rejoice in it. Why? Because we're doing it that the power of Christ may rest upon us. We ought to thank God for persecutions. Thank God for prayer. Thank God for pardon. Thank God for peace. Thank God for his problems. Thank God for his persecutions. You know what? Thankful people are happy people. Thankful people are satisfied people. Thankful people are people that enjoy life. Thankful people are dedicated people. They're dedicated people. He said, be thankful in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We're supposed to be thankful in prayer. Man, we can rejoice in that. Yeah, I'm glad for prayer. Well, thank God for his pardon. Man, I'm glad that I'm, a sa- I'm on my way to heaven. I'm glad that he covered my sin and I, by faith, received him as my Savior. I-, I haven't lost the joy of my salvation yet, and I hope I never do. Hope you never do either. The fact that we get saved. Listen, we sit there sometimes and somebody talks about salvation. I, I can't help it. Just something that stirs up inside of me when I think about the day I got saved. And I just get excited. I want to run laps around the church, all those things. Why? Because of what he did for me. But we'll sit there sometimes like, yeah, I was saved. What a blessing. Is the football game on yet? Listen, we ought to thank God for pardon. We're not bound <laughs> in sin anymore. We can get victory over it because of Jesus. Well, thank God for the peace that comes when our mind is stayed on Him. But we ought to thank God for the problems. Thank God for the persecution. What am I to be thankful for this Thanksgiving? Think about your life. It all summarizes into this. Be thankful for God. Be thankful for Him. And if you're thankful for Him, you can rejoice in no matter what happens in your life because He's with you every step of the way. With our heads bowed, eyes closed.